0: and welcome to the Curving Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Laurie McGinley, and co-founder. Today we're joined by Jordan McCann at Luton Town. How are you, Jordan?
1: Yeah, very well, thank
0: you. Very well. Good, good. Uh, can you just uh, tell the listeners a bit of a background about yourself? Um, yeah,
1: so from a, a coaching perspective, um, I first got into to, to coaching when I was at university. Um, studied uh, at Loughborough doing sport and exercise science. Um, I met some, some interesting uh, people and concepts, Laurie, during my time when, when I was at, at university. So got into to, to pedagogy and, and coaching science with a lady called Di called Bass and uh, Professor Chris Cushion and that kind of, from a theoretical perspective, sparked uh, my interest in, in, in coaching um, and I was doing some, some practical qualifications with the FA at, at the time um, in my, my late teens and, and early 20s. And it kind of built in from from there started coaching practically with the uh you know at the university and finished my degree and and straight away when i finished i was fortunate enough to um yeah to to get a role at at luton town um through one of my old coaches from when i was playing who was working working at the club so uh, very fortunate to get that get that start but the yeah the real interest i suppose stemmed uh, whilst I was at, at university from both a, a practical and a, a theoretical perspective um, during my time at Loughborough so they were yeah great great years and it, it kind of teed me off I suppose for for the start of my journey.
0: Yeah probably. um I've read through your kind of CV and your, your kind of qualifications and you start with a, a quote which is a growth mindset, a forward-thinking coach and developer aiming to utilise both Theoretical and contextual knowledge In order to improve both young people and players Can you expand on that And can you tell us what you're thinking about that
1: Yeah so I think where I am at, at the minute um, Certainly loads to, to learn And loads to improve on personally um, So to start with the growth mindset bit I think it's to as an individual Always have a mentality Where you're looking to improve yourself First and foremost Especially if you're in a position Or you're a coach Where your role is to improve others um, that if you don't display the the values and the mentality of trying to improve yourself, then sometimes it can be difficult to impart that that mentality on onto others. the The second part, I suppose, is is kind of a an echo of my background, for for want of a better phrase, where I think to be successful as as a coach or as a coach who's trying to improve other people, you have to understand both the practical applications of coaching, but also the, the theoretical side that underpins how you work um, in all four corners. So whether that be a, how to improve and understand a growth mindset, whether it be emotional intelligence, wh- whatever it may be from a coaching perspective, if you can understand the, the theory and then take that into the practical sphere and have that underpinning your work, then I think you're gonna be in a, in a healthy position. Um, and they probably go hand in hand, that mixture of art and science in coaching, that it's not necessarily one or the other, but if you can blend the two, then you've probably got a good chance of being a, an effective practitioner um, in, in the industry. So that, that's kind of where I am, I suppose, at, at the moment, uh, looking to improve and looking to, to build on both sides, both my practical work and, and understanding more of the, the latest research around coaching and pedagogy um, to, to bring into, you know, onto, onto the grass.
0: Yeah and just talking about mindset, do you, do you live your life of like I've got a growth mindset and I've got a to-do list, uh, I want to try to get that done but as you say it goes hand in hand and the players react off of you, if you're working hard then they're going to work hard, do you have any kind of practical examples through this?
1: Yeah I think um, in, in, in life at, at the moment I'm certainly trying my best to push myself individually, uh, to continue to learn and develop, and that goes both in, in a formal context and an informal context. Um, so, whether that be through a range of courses through, through the FA, um, through universities, um, or informal stuff, of you know, things like today, meeting people like yourself, who come with, with different backgrounds and experiences, and, and reading a lot of books and texts around um, psychology or coaching, whatever it may be making sure you're up to date with, with the latest research from, from the field that's going to impact your work, then that's certainly something that personally I, I try to, to embody um, around the, the demands of, of the role um, and take that into to improve both the players and, and hopefully the, you know, the, the staff as, as
0: well. Yeah, and as you said, you're at University of Loughborough and you've done a sports and exercise science with kind of specialising in sports coaching and pedagogy. Can you just tell the listeners kind of more about this and your mindset where you, where you're uni? Because it's kind of getting more and more uh, of these kind of terms that people they think they know it, but they actually they want to probably know more about it, so they can actually just study it, you know, to make it more specialising.
1: Sure. Um, yeah. So the the field of, of pedagogy uh, is effectively, I suppose, the study of of coaching science. Um, to try and encapsulate it very simply, it goes into to many different areas. Um, but my, my interest, Laurie, in, in pedagogy really stemmed from uh, Rod Thorpe, who was lecturing at Loughborough at the time, who was the founder of TGFU, um, or Teaching Games for Understanding. So the the first year I was there, they we had a series of lectures on practice design and the theory underpinning practice design, and Rod was, he was an absolute expert of trying to enable the students, which we were at the time, to understand how we learn or how people learn and acquire skill. Um, And that there was in in the 70s the Rod and the I suppose his colleagues at the time almost changed that idea of technique to skill to game was the the only way to to improve to what we would now term a whole part whole in terms of starting with a game and learning through a games-based approach. So it's concepts like, like that, I suppose, in pedagogy that influence now how we coach, certainly in the environment here and I suppose in, in the youth awards that are being rolled out um, via the FA. And then it goes, you know, the sphere is huge. There's sport education by Darryl Top is a, a fantastic concept of empowering young people through, uh, through a games-based approach where they get to experience a variety of different roles as players, as coaches as officials whatever it may be so there's loads of different spheres of pedagogy and and kind of outbreaks of of the subject that you can bring into the practical environment to really improve the uh, the development program that that you run so absolutely fascinating i would encourage anyone to to try and dig into it because i think there's a uh, yeah there's some real good stuff from from that for from the from the study of that field that can be be applied practically to to football and and other areas of, of physical development and games in general
0: so, yeah, no, definitely. And, kind of, I'm you uni, know, you know, there was times where you just didn't want to do it and you kind of, you, know, you know, you were at lectures, you know, not that not interesting, but they just didn't relate to you, but kind of go back, you know, thinking about it, you know, having that kind of cool mindset, do you think uh, through uni uh, and kind of throughout life you just need to kind of bear it and just kind of go for it sometimes because that 1% could potentially get you a wee bit better but also if you work and you know have an application to be the best you can be every day do you think we as humans we're starting to get a bit more you know reliant on information but actually we need to actually work to get there
1: yeah I think it's a uh, it's a
0: great question
1: um, and a, a great point I suppose already of, of your mindset as an individual uh Looking looking back, there were definitely times when I was younger where I was had a huge failed mindset outlook to to a lot of the stuff that that I did. Um, I vividly remember now choosing GCSE options for subjects that I thought I was going to do well in because they were easy, rather than ones that that were going to challenge me. So that I think that shows um, on reflection, um, hopefully that my mindset personally is has, has shifted. And yeah, there there were definitely dark and and down times where things were difficult. Um, at, at university and, and in other areas of, of coach education, coach development, whether that be you know, delivering on a course in front of where you're mic'd up and you've got to listen to your own voice in front of 30 people and it's, and it's tough. Um, but going through that process eventually is only going to make you a, a better person for it. And I suppose the one bit of um, advice that I've had that I felt's been useful for me personally would be just to embrace as much feedback as you can from them experiences whether that be positive or negative um, because ultimately the more feedback you get from as many different angles as you can it's only going to enable you to to reflect more coherently with a wider a wider amount of information that can make you a, a better person but you've got to be strong emotionally and have a high level of emotional intelligence I think to deal with that from, from all angles but uh, yeah great advice don't take criticism personally value all the feedback that you can get and that should enable uh, enable you to move forward in a yeah, hopefully a clear and concise, concise manner.
0: Yeah, and as you're saying feedback, a lot of people, you know, look for feedback. But the I think what I'm saying is, see when people receive feedback, they they want to have good feedback, and then see the the bad feedback. How do you think people deal with it these days? Because you could have four, five pieces of great information, and then it could be just something to work on. But as you say, you need to have that kind of Resilience and emotional to try and keep yourself level headed do you think more people are starting to get a bit more you know like I need to know more but I'm not I'm afraid I'm going to get uh, criticised but I think the best way is you know failing is successful sometimes and do you think more people in coaching are afraid to go and ask for help sometimes because like from previous experiences you know that 1% or that that extra half an hour of chatting to someone to potentially make you a ten times better coach. But, again, feedback has to come from the, the relevant people because sometimes the feedback can be not from the right person but from the person who might not be in the same field as you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think the, the concept of feedback is, um, again, it's, it's very interesting, Mark. I suppose where I am at the minute, if, if we draw, drew a graph, um, a typical line graph, your, the level of feedback you give is, is going to be directly correlated to the rapport, the relationship you have with that person. So if you've got a strong relationship and you've worked with someone for a long time uh, and the rapport and the trust is high, then the level of feedback you can give can be to, to a higher level because that trust is already there between, between the two of you. When you converse, and at the club here, we've got an array of of staff, some who have been here for five or six years, and we've worked together for an elongated period of time. And I think that if there's negative feedback or um, feedback that's of a critical nature, when you've got that high level of rapport, that the people can generally, the coach can generally deal with that. If you haven't got that level of trust and rapport, maybe they're a newer member of staff. Then you might have to be cl- a bit, um, yeah, a bit cleverer, use a bit of nouse in terms of how you deliver maybe some not so good feedback to make sure that one, it doesn't affect the, the confidence of, of that individual, and then work with them around things like you know developing more of a, a growth mindset and a bit of resilience to embracing that type of feedback that ultimately. As long as you're providing it for the good of them and they can understand that that it's there to help them improve, then hopefully over time they they can they can embrace that. And I suppose the final thing on, on that would be when you're giving when you're giving feedback, be prepared to receive it as well. So if you're gonna challenge someone, be prepared to be challenged back and, and show them, show the values that you want the staff to, to embody and that you can embrace and also take on some some critique. Um, or some some negative feedback as, as an individual and then it's more likely that the staff you're working with will embody that as well.
0: Yeah, and sorry, i are just going back to feedback because I've got a variety of different questions but it's quite interesting just chatting about, you know, off tangents, it's more interesting sometimes yeah. but I read a book, uh, Ego is the Enemy. Do you think ego is sometimes the enemy of ourselves or do you think from, if you've got a kind of, that mindset of I, I, I know I'm a good coach but I know I could get better but working with maybe the older kind of your know, 18 year olds who might have been you know given everything you know like the like the usual kind of boots and all these things compared to people who have worked hard. Do you think there's a shifted mindset with the when you are coaching different kind of players and the kind of egos they have to deal with, you know? And just maybe going back as you said, you've kind of worked with the first team sometimes. Do you need to? Do you think the and with the first team manager, do you think you need to try and balance all this out to try and make it more realistic?
1: Um, yeah, p- potentially. I think maybe the the level that we work at comes into to play. There, our young players, you know, they don't get paid an extortionate amount of money or have, um, you know, a lot of sponsorship deals at a, a very young age group. So I know in in different environments, the you know the bigger Premier League clubs, maybe that plays a bit more of a of a factor. Um, from a coaching perspective I think ego is is interesting whether it's termed ego or self-perception um, that it's, it's an interesting concept I think as a coach you have to be able to to step away from it or park it to a certain extent but everyone will have their own kind of self-perception of, of themselves so uh, it's an interesting concept I think you always have to have the needs of the individual or the players you're working with First and foremost, in your head, in your thought, and in your planning, and that's crucial to making sure the players get the best, the best possible education and, and development opportunities that that they can. And sometimes that involves, yeah, ma- you know, making some some decisions that may seem odd or um, devising practices that may look, you know, very messy or very untidy, because they're there to stress a certain individual or to bring out a, a certain a certain learning point. So. Yeah, I think it's, it's crucial in, 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 in coaching that we have the ability to, to put what's necessary above above ego or above self-perception. But I do think that the concept to say you have to have no ego I think is not impossible but I think everyone as a coach has a self-perception of, of themselves in, in the way they work and it's about how you manage that, that that's crucial.
0: Yeah, and I think... Having a slight ego just has that slight confidence in yourself. But just going back to you know the, the Loughborough University, you won the Alan Guy Award for outstanding achievement in pedagogy and coaching science. What was your kind of mindset when you kind of won that? And did you feel that you know what, I've actually achieved something, but I want to learn more and more and more about it?
1: Yeah, pr- proud, um, proud moment um to, to to be given to be given that award for, for my work in, in the final year. Um, you know, from a sporting perspective in general, I suppose Loughborough has a, a great reputation. So to 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 be awarded that was was fantastic. And um, my I suppose it, it stemmed really from from my dissertation and, and work into uh, into coaching styles, which was was given quite a yeah good review academically. Um, so yeah, re- really really pleased. I, I picked up so many things during my time at, at Loughborough. That, are still you know i'm still using personally now we still use at, at the football club in our development program um which you know we've just chatted briefly outside and the concept of sport education we we've rolled out and had as part of our futsal program for the last five or six years here now where we've had players as young as 9 and 10 managing and coaching their own teams in mini tournaments and things like that to you know just to add to, to their learning the variety of experiences that they get and that was something I picked up through um yeah through my my work at Loughborough so extremely extremely proud to have a base knowledge and um it's something to, to be fair Larry that I probably need to revisit if there's a criticism of, of myself I, I probably haven't stayed as up to date as I would like to um in in the field to to get some some novel stuff because you know day-to-day life takes oh, yeah. over and time management's important so it's something that I, I'd, I'd really like to pick up but yeah definitely a, a proud moment um to to pick up that that award from from a university that yeah it gave me a great start and, and a great grounding so yeah a, a very proud moment personally
0: yeah and as I said there's a lot of qualifications you have from your a license to your way futsal to the kind of most one of the most interesting ones the psychology for footballers uh, level 1 to 5 um, i heard It's an excellent course But can you tell us Kind of more about it And the kind of mindset When you're kind of Working through You know The different kind of qualifications And potentially What was the most challenging one And the most exciting one
1: Yeah um, start off I suppose With the, the psychology The psychology um, The psychology for football Through FA was, uh, was quite a while ago now The level 5 was run At, at Wakefield Park in Reading I don't well they don't use it anymore now. they've gone to St George's but some uh, yeah some, some fascinating concepts across across the course um, from yeah things like you know developing resilience and um, a whole host of, of psychological areas that, that are important to the development of, of young players and I think we're probably seeing now or understanding more than ever the impact that, that it has on, on on development and you know I suppose no time like the present there's been a lot of talk about Harry Kane and you know his just unrelenting dedication and focus to improving himself as a player and taking him to to where he's gone. So that was that was brilliant in terms of increasing my understanding of of the psychological corner in in development, and that was built on I suppose into the advanced youth award with with Dr. Matt Payne, who. Um,
0: has, oh, we we interviewed him. which was really interesting.
1: Yeah. So Matt, um, yeah, who leads on the psychological block on on the youth award again brought out some, some brilliant concepts that are now being rolled out within the FA in terms of, of growth mindset and, and other areas and how we can look to improve improve players psychologically but most importantly I suppose with that is how we can look to improve them but integrate it into the football and that was key for me on the Advanced Youth Award that the old psychology for football the, the levels 1 to 5 were very theoretical based but the Advanced Youth Award really takes that to a new level in terms of how you can bring that practically onto the grass with the players so that, that was a, a, a great development opportunity. Um, in terms of the most challenging course, interesting question. Um, I think the, the most challenging course for me personally probably was the, the new UEFA B in futsal. It's not something that I'm probably overly comfortable with. I, I kind of threw myself into the futsal qualifications just to try and help me understand the game a little bit more and how we can we can utilize it as a development tool here. So the UEFA B was the uh, inaugural course and I found myself with a lot of futsal experts on the course who understood the game a lot better than me so um, out of my comfort zone massively learnt a lot brilliant tutors um, Ian Bateman fantastic Mike Skabala the two guys at the FA who, who drive the, the futsal there and, and Pete Sturgis of course who links in with the, the Fast elevens. brilliant tutors um, picked up loads and it certainly helped um, you know, enhance, and, and enhance my knowledge and, and bring some know, some additional additional levels of understanding to, to our programme. So that was, was definitely the, the most challenging, but nothing but, but praise really for the FA courses. Um, I've, I've, you know, picked up loads and, and the Advanced Youth Award I think is, is the beacon or, or the pinnacle of um, of formal coaching courses, certainly in, in youth development. Yeah. Fantastic course, so yeah, very, very good.
0: Oh, brilliant. Uh, and just... You've obviously challenged yourself to try and get to the next levels, and uh, there's an elite head of coaching, a kind of three year programme. Can you tell us what that is and your kind of mindset when you kind of started it?
1: Yeah, so the uh, the EHOP programme was rolled out, um, I suppose, 18 months ago now, um, in conjunction with the the head of coaching role being introduced to EPPP academies in, in England um, via the, the Premier League. So we started um, in the Lake District last. God, yeah, last April, so 15 months ago, and it's it's been a, a hugely beneficial course from, certainly from a football perspective, but more so from a personal development perspective. Um, some of the topics we've covered have been um, challenging, outstanding in terms of provoking thought from leadership and management, emotional intelligence, um, just the, I suppose, the tip of the iceberg of, of some of the, the things that, that we've covered MBTI, from a psychological profiling point of view, understanding how to work effectively with other people who have different personality types. Oh my God, where do we go? So much stuff. Mentoring, coaching, how to provide feedback, feedback models. It, it's it's pushed me so much over the last um, 15, 16 months. And yeah, I'm really looking forward now to, uh, to cracking on with that from a personal development point of view over the next two and a half years. And uh, back at the end of the month, in, in Stratford to uh, yeah to, to continue that and I suppose as someone who's got, got loads to learn one of the things that's also been brilliant for me is to be in a cohort with outstanding um, outstanding people um, from from within the game and have access to uh, to knowledge from some some other um, heads of coaching across the country who are uh, yeah outstanding in terms of their their experience in terms of their delivery. Um, and, and their understanding the game and that's been equally as important for me in my development, the access to, to them people to learn from.
0: Okay, and um, just shifting, because uh, I, I really think the head of coaching is such a big job these days but do you think because you've been in these courses do you think you've learned from them to try and, you know, or, or they've learned from you, but do you think from you know, the kind of, the role you have, do you, do you do you act, see when you're working with the kind of head of coachings, do you kind of feel more comfortable talking to these guys more and kind of pushing yourself or do you feel a little bit nervous because maybe these guys have been doing it maybe a bit longer than you?
1: Yeah, I think it goes back to the earlier points around mindset. That yep. You go in there and, you know, you've got to have a, a mindset similar to, to the conversation we've had earlier where you want to just exhaust them people for for the knowledge and experience they've got. Um, and of course sometimes there there's a little bit of, of nerves or tension initially because you you know, back self-perception, everyone kind of has that about themselves. But I think once you get over that and you can park that and, and not be too worried about um how you come across, the main thing is you just have to one you know, realise and, and understand that there's a fantastic opportunity to learn and develop yourself personally. Um and, and you have to take that when you're when you're in a room with people of forty, fifty years experience of, of developing young players. Um, if you can't bring yourself to, to ask questions and try and maximise the, you know the, the knowledge that, that they've got, then you're missing a, a fantastic development opportunity personally. So, yeah, you have to you have to take them um, when when them opportunities arise because sometimes they can be be
0: few and far between. Yeah, and uh, you are an Ecas coach, a mentor? Can you just tell us what that is and kind of what it stands for? Yeah,
1: so the, the ECAS program um, is the Elite Coach Apprenticeship Scheme, also um, run by the, the Premier League. Um, and I'm on the course at the moment this year with, uh, with a member of staff from, from our club who, who's on it in, in a mentoring capacity. So it ties in really nicely with the, the EHOP program, which is designed, I suppose, to increase um, your or the candidate's ability to mentor and coach other people effectively so it gives me a real good opportunity to put that into practice and and also see some of the content that's being delivered um, on the ECAS program as well as the eHop program so it's it's a real nice nice balance and another brilliant personal development opportunity to mix and engage with uh, some other people who are involved in mentoring roles across the country at, at various different clubs and 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 again, you know, really drain them for their their experiences around mentoring and, and coaching others. So yeah, fantastic opportunity. The Premier League courses um have, have been been terrific from uh, a personal development and also I'd like to think in improving um, what we do here here at the club. So yeah, brilliant courses. Yeah,
0: and just going kind of uh, looking down now. You know, you've you're the youth development phase leads coach. Can you tell us kind of the roles and responsibilities in that and the kind of mindset when you're working with a, you know, I think it's 13 to 16, but how do you kind of deal with them and then potentially the parents and and how do you kind of get the best out of them because maybe in two, three years time, they're going to be, you know, with the 16s, so they might be into the first team, you know, how do you just get the mindset and also, you know, the buy-in?
1: Sure. Um, I think anyone who... Who works in in the youth development phase with with players of, of 13 to 16, you have, you have so many issues, Laurie, that, that present themselves. It's it's a complex age to to work with in all four corners. Um, you know, and, and especially the the physical, psychological and social areas, which sometimes go, you know, maybe underlooked. I, I wouldn't say that's the case anymore, but maybe historically has been, you know, uh, where technical and tactical has been at the forefront of people's minds. So you know you can have within that phase boys who physically are in the same age group but are five years apart in terms of their process towards maturation and how you manage that is really important and that links into, to the psychology as well you know how do you manage that that late developer who are, you know as an under 15 is still physically 11 and suffering from a bit of a lack of confidence maybe in certain areas so that it's an absolute minefield. Um, I certainly don't have all the answers. Um, I'd like to think we've done some some things to try and develop boys with with growth mindsets we we had um, strategies to play boys across age groups um, up and down to try and help them with their development and really individualise the programmes and I think that that's probably the the main if I could pick one thing in that favour would be that you, you have to you have to individualise the, the programmes for the players regardless of of their chronological age because yeah. that's to group players by chronological age is it's one way of doing it. Right. There's so many other ways and, and factors you can do it. So it's got it's got to be individual um, and you've certainly got to understand what's happening with the boys physically, what's happening with them psychologically to to try and, and help them improve and be the best they can be long term. But a minefield of an age group to work in.
0: Yeah, it's really difficult with the relative age effect, you know, it's a sure. it's a big thing, you know, talent yeah. ID these days, yeah. you know. Um your current role as head of coaching at Luton Town, you know, what's your kind of mindset when you're working with kind of coaches who might, well I don't know, obviously I don't know personally, but the, some coaches might not buy in right away, but how do you kind of shift their mindset or um, the players, because the you take over the kind of 18s too, you know, and the, you're working with these guys sometimes full time. How do you kind of keep them positive if something goes wrong, you know, or the coach is having a bit of a bad day, or the players are kind of struggling, you know, as you said sometimes with the kind of physicality of the game.
1: Yeah, yeah, another good question. I think with with staff, it's it's the the environment that you work in is, is crucial to to making sure that that they're comfortable and again displaying the the values that. You know, not everything's going to go right, and not everything's perfect in coaching. And you know, if you have a bad, or what might be perceived as a bad session, there'll be positives in it. If you have a good session, there'll be things to look at and things to improve. So, um, it's about it's about making sure that there's a, a steady kind of mentality of people not getting too high or too low. Um, I think in any workplace or walk of life, you'll have stronger rapport and relationships with some than others. That's that's only human nature. Um, but it's it's about trying to create a, a culture and an environment where people buy into improving themselves, and if if they can't do that and, and they don't want to get better, then you know maybe it's not the right environment for for them. Um, and then as an individual, you have to you have to embody that. So one thing we we're, we're keen to do here is if is if you're feeding back to someone, they also have the opportunity to do to do the same and feed back into you, and that creates a nice a nice circle where. I think the feedback process becomes accepted and it's it's normal rather than it always being one way that you have to put yourself out there individually to be challenged by others um, and, and sometimes you put yourself out there as what might be perceived as a... a, a careful with a senior role when you put a session on and it's maybe not great and then you get some feedback say look think about this 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 and this and as an individual you have to say yeah brilliant okay i'm going to take that information on board and then when you give it back the other way there's probably a, a better license um, that, that they're going to do the same so it, it can be a difficult role because effectively you're dealing with people and people are governed by emotion and and various different things but as an individual i think you have to just portray them values personally all the time that you're looking to get better you're seeking feedback 360 from all members of staff and then sometimes that can become you know become normal and then you have to recruit the right people who embody them values as well you know and sometimes yeah like you said if if people don't want to get better then maybe they need to look internally as well and, and see where they're going on their journey
0: No, oh, definitely and as i said in the last half hour has just been mine mine, uh, mine kind of all of how you kind of you talk about different ideas and mindset but the kind of question, the kind of final question is, what does uh, mindset mean to you?
1: I think for, to to develop a a growth mindset is is key. You know the the research that's come out. I suppose not necessarily recently, but in the last you know five or, or ten years, where everyone in your cultural environment values effort and values the, I suppose the you know, trying to trying to get better, trying to get better, being willing to fail in order to push and develop and improve themselves, I think is absolutely key. Um, if you haven't got that, you're not willing to fail, you're not willing to put yourself out there, you don't see the value in, in pushing yourself as an individual, then you're gonna go stale at some point, whether that's as a, a coach, whether it be in, in probably in any industry that you work in, and that and that goes for the players as well. So it's probably underpinned by having a good solid emotional intelligence. Um, so emotionally intelligent people who are are willing to, to push themselves, accept failure and, and try and grow as, as an individual. And if, if we can develop that in staff and in players then you've probably got a good a good starting a good starting point. And that yeah. you know that manifests itself culture, environment and in the in the language that, that we use, you know, subtle subtle differences when we're out on the grass. In terms of praising effort over natural ability, and you know, making sure that that the language we use is appropriate to develop that in the players is is absolutely absolutely key. But we could go on, couldn't we? For, oh yeah, yeah, for too hard, yeah. Did you get what was but no. Very very hard to conceptualise um, in in a short period of time. But I think, in a nutshell, that would be it: is to you know to find a way of developing of developing people, players who who are willing to push themselves. Um, I'm willing to learn and embrace from failure and feedback and I suppose Matthew said, fail fast, fix fast is probably not a bad motto to, uh,
0: to go by. Yeah, perfect. Thanks again, Jordan. No, pleasure. Thanks, Larry. Thanks for listening. If you don't already, give us a follow on Twitter at The Curve Mindset and please like and retweet the podcast. And also if you can, leave us a review on SoundCloud or Anchor. Thanks for all your support.